Good morning. There are two people that are back that have been gone for a very long time. So I want you to welcome back Bob and Beverly Carmack. Raise your hand so they can see you back there, Bob and Beverly. Yeah. Beverly has had just, just multiple back issues, and I'm just seeing you walk in here today just delighted my soul. <laughs> it did, praise God. He is still working miracles in our life. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bible, open to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, just a few verses here in this opening chapter. Uh, this is a new chapter in the life and the ministry of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And the thing that I always want to ask when we begin these new chapters is, where is Jesus? Where is he when this, when this new chapter begins? And it's obviously, it's, it's really not that easy to figure out. Trying to track Jesus' movements from chapter 10 is actually somewhat difficult. Uh, we know that in the last few verses of chapter 10, he is in Bethany at the home of Martha and Mary, which is just a few miles uh, outside of Jerusalem. From there, we have uh, no geographical indicators in the text, so we would estimate that Jesus is still in the general area of Bethany and or the surrounding villages. So let's recall the, the context of where of where, or what is happening in the ministry of Jesus. The main event that got us where we are today is the healing of the blind and mute man in chapter 11. After Christ freed the man from the evil spirit, if you remember, the religious elite, the Pharisees and the scribes and the lawyers were in there as well, they accused him of working by the power of Beelzebul, the prince of demons. And then there were others that in the same breath were pushing him to perform more signs to provide evidence that he was indeed the Messiah. So as you recall, going through this book, Jesus easily puts down the accusation of Beelzebul and rebukes the others by condemning their generation as wicked for seeking a sign. And Jesus says no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. He then gives a somewhat of a summary statement that points to himself as the lamp of God and that you must have his light to be able to see him as the ultimate sign. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light, but when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. Then at that moment, almost suddenly, an unnamed Pharisee invites Jesus to his home for a meal. Wow, that would be pretty cool, don't you think? He accepts the invitation. He goes to his home and reclines at the table. Everything seems fine. However, unknown to those in the room and unknown to us, the Pharisee's home, the Pharisee that has this home, is secretly, secretly in his heart, offended and shocked that Christ does not wash his hands. Now remember, to us, that seems silly. I mean, we, we wash our hands before meals for what reason? To be clean, to be germ-free, that we don't get sick or we have something nasty on our hands. But to the, to the Pharisees, this was more of ritual purity. This was more not wanting to be stained 
by Gentile filthiness in order to not be able to go to the temple to worship for seven days. There was nothing in the scripture that said that. It was an oral tradition that they had piled up on top of the text that kind of set a separation and made they're more like a holier-than-thou group. You know, this is what you will do if you're going to be in our group and you're going to be really holy and really spiritual and really religious, you will follow our oral traditions. And so Jesus goes in and he does not, he does not wash his hands. So Christ supernaturally hears his thoughts, hears his thoughts, and immediately launches into a series of scathing woes against the Pharisees, scribes, and lawyers. I want you to imagine for just a second, imagine inviting the preacher to your house for a meal, amen? (laughs) And the second he sits down at the table begins to lay into you about your sins and hypocrisy. How do you think that would go over? Bad. Last Supper. That's good, David. It would be the Last Supper. Yes. Imagine the phones that would be lit up all over the church on that one. So these woes that Jesus brings, gutsy Jesus, our Savior is one gutsy, gutsy brother, amen. Those woes are focused on their foundation of hypocrisy that has shown itself in legalism, self-aggrandizement, false teaching, false leadership, and most horribly, leading people into darkness and death away from truth and life. That's Jesus' big issue with these Pharisees. More concerned about the outside than the inside of the cup, tithing in the minutia, tithing every mint, rue, garlic dust, amen? Tithing all those but neglecting the justice and the love of God. Loving the best seat, the best seat. Being called by name in the marketplace, but having no love in their heart for the people. They're like unmarked graves, Jesus said, and people walk over them without noticing, defiling themselves around the graves. They load people with burdens hard to bear, but yet you don't touch them with your own fingers. You build the tombs of the prophets. You are guilty of the blood of all the prophets from the beginning to now and into the future. And you have taken away the key of knowledge and hindered those who were entering. That's a summary of the woes that Jesus levied at them at this Pharisee's house and stirred them up to wrath. When he went away from there, the scribes and Pharisees pressed him hard, the scripture says, provoking him, lying in wait to trap him in something that he said. And this was the real reason they invited him over. They invited him over to press him, to try to rattle him, to try to get him to say something wrong so they could slander him and hurt him and try to to stop the momentum that Jesus was gaining in the community. That was their hidden agenda. Jesus knew that. So afterwards, what happens? Well, well, this was a a pretty huge deal. We have not seen anything like this in the text, quite this harsh and direct from Jesus yet. So this situation with the Pharisees that Jesus just provoked had the potential to really shake things up, specifically to the disciples, to shake them up. I mean, this was the establishment they had known their whole life. 
This was traditional Judaism. And here is Jesus that has called them to be his disciples, and now he is going after the one group of people that they have known their entire lives to be the bedrock of Judaism. So this was a very precarious situation. Verse 1 of chapter 12. In the meantime... When so many thousands of people had gathered together and they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Woe. God sees everything. Now, I think we know that. I think we know that, but do we really act as though we know that? I know that we know it. You, you follow what I'm saying? I mean, I think all of us would amen the fact that we know that God sees and knows everything, but do we act in ways that conform our lives to that knowledge? I think that we see with the Pharisees, they do not, which is why Jesus is calling them out. So the crowds grow as conflict with Jesus escalates. So thousands of people gathered together trampling on one another. I mean, this is the, and I did a word search. This is the only time that in the Gospel of Luke where you hear the term thousands of people. So what has happened so suddenly? Where have all these people come from? Well, two things probably, perhaps uh, judging from the text, we don't see a tremendous amount of, of geographical movement uh, from, from Martha and Mary's house, so perhaps he is somewhat in the same vicinity, and so word continues to travel out that Jesus is in this vicinity, and if he's not moving around, he's pretty easy to find, and so perhaps the crowd is building from that perspective, that he's been there for a while. He hasn't moved very much. But I would also tell you there's a second reason, and I believe this reason is probably more the reason. I think word about that fight at that Pharisee's house spread like wildfire, amen? That's what I think happened. And I'll tell you this, in my time in the faith, nothing, nothing will fill up a church faster than a fight, amen? I mean, I'm, I'm serious as a heart attack. Serious. The only other thing that I've seen pack out a church better than a hostile business meeting where some kind of big issue has to be discussed or fought over is a funeral. That's the only thing I've ever seen draw a bigger crowd. So I can assure you that these Israelites who have been following Jesus and watching Jesus and see him take on these Pharisees and these, and these lawyers and these scribes and be able to, to handle them to handle them publicly and to put them in their place and to outmaneuver them theologically. I'm, I'm sure that all of that combined with his divinity and his ability to heal and his ability to do all the things that he was doing, I am sure that that had piqued the interest of people everywhere and they wanted to be ringside to see exactly what was going on with this Jesus of Nazareth fellow. That's exactly what I think was happening this man really could be the Messiah sent from God. So let's go forward. So then he says to his disciples first, and boy, he, when Jesus says this, 
He says a mouthful. I mean a mouthful. You could probably, if you wanted to get to the depth, to the depth of the meaning of what Jesus is saying when he says this, we could probably dig in the scripture beginning in the Old Testament all the way through the New and develop a whole sermon series based on this one verse. We're not gonna do that because we gotta get through with Luke, amen, but you could do that. Beware, so he says this to his disciples first. So this huge crowd is, is swelling around him, but, it, but it, we don't, it, the text doesn't say this, but, but it seems like he turns to the side and tells his disciples first to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Beware of the leaven, beware, to be on guard, to be cautious, to be alert to, to watch for it, to be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, leaven is a substance used to produce fermentation in dough or a liquid, the main, and it's the main ingredient that causes bread to rise, and in this context, leaven is viewed as corruption, Slow-moving, insidious, comprehensive, dark, horrible corruption. The worst form of corruption that you can dream of. Spiritual corruption against God and the gospel. That's what this is. That's why Jesus, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Just got through dealing with them. He's trying to train them. Beware of them, which is hypocrisy. Now, now, I don't bake, okay? Do you have any bakers out there? Anybody bake? Okay, Mama's Kitchen. We know you do, Linda, amen. Yeah, y'all need to check out some of her cookies. I don't bake, but I was in the kitchen a lot when my grandmother baked, and my favorite part of that whole scenario was doing what? Licking the bowl. Can I get a witness? Okay, licking the bowl. But she always had some leaven that she would work into the bread to make it rise, which we would call yeast by, by modern terms. And it was living cells that initiated a process called fermentation that would eventually make the bread rise and grow big. You've seen this happen. So this leaven of the Pharisees, Jesus says, is hypocrisy. That's a big word. It's kind of a scary word. We hear it a lot thrown around. Uh, we hear it a lot, don't we? In the Bible, we hear it, we hear it everywhere. That guy's a hypocrite. He's full of hypocrisy. He's a hypocrite. Well, here's Jesus saying that the Pharisees are. Hip hypocrisy, pretending to be godly. Pretending to be godly. Knowing how to say all the right things. Knowing how to dress the part how to play the part, but truthfully, truthfully being clueless as to the true nature of who you are supposed to be. Hypocrisy. Paul wrote this letter that is unrelated to Luke, but it is absolutely one of the clearest usage, usages of, um, of leaven in the Bible that you will find in the New Testament he says, but understand this, this is 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, but understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, 
disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable. Boy, if that didn't hit Baptist right between the eyes, amen? Slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Here's the key, here's the key, key words. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Paul goes one step further that we, 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 it's so hard for us to accept this in the American culture, so hard for us to accept this. Most of us wouldn't accept this. Most of us wouldn't practice this. He says, in those instances, when you see those people and you know those people exist, avoid them. That's what he says. Avoid such people. Verse six gets even scarier. For among them are those, and here's the insidious nature of leaven, right? Among them are those that creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. But as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. And here's the part where it really fits in what Jesus says. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be made what? Known and plain to all. They're doing it in the dark, but it's going to be brought out into the what? Light. Nothing is covered up, verse 2, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. I'm back to Luke. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on housetop. Now look at those key words. I'm trying to build off this point to build into our next point. Look, look at the key words, covered up. You see that? Covered up, hidden, dark, whispered. Covered up, hidden, dark, whispered. All words that indicate something that is unnoticeable, that is trying to be out of the public eye, that is insidious, that is gradual, that is subtle, but has deeply harmful effects. Deeply harmful effects. It's interesting Jesus uses those words because they go along with leaven. When you look at some bread dough, can you look at it and tell if it has yeast in it? No. Not immediately. Now, over time you can because what happens to it? Right. But when the dough is initially kneaded that far and you set it on the table and you look at it, can you tell it's got yeast in it? No. That's why leaven is so dangerous. The nature is not immediately noticeable, but there is corruption present that will show itself eventually. And Jesus says, guard against corrupt man-made traditions. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. You know, that's what's so hard was so hard about staying on top of things in the faith and in the church. Many, many times we don't know the leaven is there until what? Until it rises. And then when it rises, then you have to do something about it. Because it's insidious. 
So this spiritually corrupting influence is there, and what is worse, it's concealed and hidden where no one can see it and do something about it. Now, Paul also uses this leaven in a different way in 1 Corinthians 5, and then we're going to be done with Paul and we'll move on, but I wanted to give you these two citations because they are excellent examples of how the Bible uses this term, and they are shockingly good examples in very difficult, harsh texts, and if there's one thing that the average Baptist needs lots of, it's harsh texts, amen? Because we are softies. Can I get a witness? Oh, yeah, y'all didn't get a big big witness on that one, right? We're softies. I I, I heard Bob Utley say one time, you can go Google him into your heart's content, but he said these words, and I, I agree with him completely. He said that he believes that American Christianity will go down as the weakest expression of Christianity the world has ever known. I agree with that. I agree with that. So Paul uses leaven in in this instance. In Galatians and 1 Corinthians 5, I'm just going to read 1 Corinthians 5 for you. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife. Does that stop your heart? And verse 2 should stop it even more, and you are arrogant, Paul says. You're making fun of it. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you, for though absent in the body, I am present in spirit, and if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord." Take a deep breath after that. Your boasting is not good. Here's the reason why I put the text in here. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? What's Paul saying? You tolerate that and you allow that to go on in the church. What's going to happen next? You're going to have the same thing happen again? You're going to have the same thing happen again, and the same thing happen again, and the same thing happen again, because the leaven does what to the whole lump? Leaven's the whole lump. Well, if it's okay if he does it, then I'll do it. If it's okay if he does it, I'll do it. That's why Christian leadership is so important. We have to maintain character, because people look to us for what? How to do it. Paul said, imitate me. If you don't know what to do, imitate me. That scares me half to death to think about people imitating me. But I mean, that's what the scripture says. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So in Paul's case, the leaven, I mean, it was hypocrisy because chances are this was go, they were professing Christian and this has probably been going on too long. So yes, there was hypocrisy there, but it's really unrepentant, unconfronted sexual sin. That was the leaven that Paul was dealing with there. 
So what was the Pharisee's hypocrisy? He's already given us the list. More concerned about the outside of the cup than the inside of the cup. The tithe, mint, rue, the garlic dust. But but neglect justice and the love of God. Love the best seat in the synagogue. Greetings in the marketplace. All those things. that, that, That was their leaven. To forget about what was really important and focus on all the minutia. To be sure I'm getting all this legalistic stuff right But the heart of the matter, leave it undealt with. That's what Jesus' big gripe was with them. Verse 2, chapter 12, verse 2. So we've seen this guard against corrupt man-made traditions. Now it says nothing, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. So he, he gives us two, two, two admonitions. He gives, and he's talking to us. He's talking to disciples. First, he's going to say that hidden actions, things that you have done, they're going to be exposed. And then he says things that have been said, they're going to be exposed. So it is not to your benefit to live how? Hypocritically. Because eventually it is all going to be shown for what it is. And if it's not shown in this life, it is certainly going to be shown when? At the judgment seat of God. So Jesus' point is it is foolish to live this way because one day it will be exposed for what it is. And whenever I see scriptures like this, my mind automatically just travels right to FBI cold case files. Can I get a witness? Does anybody else watch that but me? I absolutely love, love seeing a murderer that thinks he got away, he or she got away with something 30 years ago be caught by what? DNA evidence, right? So here, like nothing, what does it say? Nothing, nothing is, that's covered up will be, it doesn't matter. When they, when, the, when they, if somebody's murdered somebody back 20, 30 years ago and they have DNA evidence, they can go back and they can find exactly who that person is and charge that person and convict that person with that crime. It is very similar, very similar how things will happen at the judgment seat of God, except it will be way more thorough than that. Way more thorough than that. I can't help but think about that. But that's how, that's how God is when it comes to hypocrisy, lies, deceit, false teaching. One day it will be exposed. If not in this life, certainly the next one. You know, I thought it was really interesting that one of the main examples that Jesus used when he was pressed for a sign was the sign of Jonah. Because Jonah was kind of a hypocrite, wasn't he? It was really interesting. I thought about that. The life and ministry of Jonah, Jonah tried to cover up his identity. Remember that? It wasn't until he was drawn by lot and they asked him who he was, did he tell them who he was. He was forced. He tried to hide from the other sailors. Where did he go? In the belly of the boat, right? Then from the belly of the boat to the belly of the what? fish, exactly. While the storm was tearing apart the ship, Jonah was God's prophet, yet running the opposite direction from where God had sent him, hiding from God, trying to cover up his identity. And how long did that last? Not very long. One storm. 
That's how long that lasted. God had had him thrown overboard, swallowed by the fish, and sent to preach at Nineveh. Jonah was exposed for what he was, and he will expose hypocrisy for what it is. That's a real-life example from the Scriptures. I, I'm convinced that is why God, Jesus knew where he was going. I, that's why he used that. Whew, i tell you, something else. Did Jesus not show, another fact, did Jesus not show his divine ability to expose the secret offense of the Pharisee while at his table, right? The Pharisee, I mean, how many times have you been in a group of people and you're highly offended, you don't say anything, right? You wait till you get home, you get on the telephone, amen? And that's the Baptist way. Don't handle it the way Scripture says. Go home and stir up 20 people against the person, right? Well, this Pharisee's at the table The Pharisee's at the table, and Jesus doesn't wash, and he's highly offended, highly offended. And he thinks that offense is what? Hidden inside of him. But what did Jesus do? Pulled it right out and dropped it right in his lap. That's God. That's God. That is called the judgment of God, and it's real and happens in this life and the next. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. In verse three, secret talk will be exposed. You know how when secret talk is about to start in a Baptist church, don't you? You know how, what's the first few words that happen first? Y'all know, y'all know what it is, right? Bless his heart, amen? <laughs> Isn't that how it starts? Bless his heart, he's just, he's just pitiful, bless his heart. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on housetops. So even our words, Jesus is saying, our hypocritical, godless words will be called to account. So how are our tongues lately? How are they, brothers and sisters? Do we use them to tear others down, get on the phone and gossip and tell stories? Do we spread information we know is not true just to cause someone grief? Do we try to stop the talk when we come across it? Now, now don't get me wrong. There are times when you have to speak the truth about things because we're gospel people. This is supposed to be a buttress of truth here. And sometimes the truth is what? Painful and hurts, and we don't want to hear it. I'm talking about destructive gossip when you ain't got no clue whether what you're saying is true or false. That's what I'm talking about. If you know it's true, it ain't gossip. Gossip is when you, gossip's when you're not sure and you're just mouthing off about stuff. We wait until it's dark to do things. We are trying to hide and conceal our actions so others cannot see them. When we call someone aside and go to a private room to whisper something sweet in their ear, one day the Bible says this will be shouted from where? God's way of saying it will be brought into the light for judgment by God. Well, I'll tell you what came to mind when I was looking over this. You know what came to my mind? David and Bathsheba, amen? I mean, you talk about darkness. I mean, you talk about one of the things in David's life that forever would change him. It would be that adulterous affair with Bathsheba and then him making that worse by having Uriah killed on the front lines. And all of 
the, the, just the wicked, shifty stuff he did through that whole exchange. What eventually happened? Was it exposed? Absolutely it was exposed. His own son Absalom, what did he do? Rebelled against him, took David's harem on the rooftop and had time with all of them in full view of everyone. What David did in secret, God would expose on the, on the rooftops. I'm telling you, man, it's, it's God, God's serious business. God means serious business. We just don't know, we don't know how serious God is. We don't. We look at forgiveness as this cheap grace to where we just live however we want to and do whatever we want to and we think God is just fine with it. I'm telling you, that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches holiness and conformity of our lives to the scripture and to become more Christ-like every day that we live and every day that we're sanctified and walking with him, the Bible says we should become more and more like him. Doesn't mean we don't have sin. Doesn't mean we don't sin. Not saying that. But I'm saying sometimes I think there should be a whole lot more spiritual conviction in our hearts than there is. I know there should be in mine. Romans 2.16, on that day when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Our talk and our actions, no matter how hard we tried to conceal them and hide them, they will be exposed by God in time. So close, just quick review and then we're done. So we see the crowds grow as the conflict with Jesus escalates. And Jesus takes his disciples to the side after he's just had this, 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 just, just hot confrontation with the Jewish leadership. And he gets them first and he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. In other words, beware of it because it may have the effect on you that it's had on them and I have come to turn that around and right the ship. And you're mine, you're not theirs. So guard against the corruption of man-made traditions. Hidden actions will be exposed and secret talk will be exposed. So what's the application? What's the application of this? Well, hopefully you've, you've gotten some through the whole message. I know I did, just, just creating it. I mean, just e examining my heart and things from the past and, and just things that God has forgiven you for but still occasionally haunt you in your mind. Can I get a witness? I mean, all y'all have that? I mean, I have that from time to time. I know it's forgiven. I know it's washed in the blood. But from time to time, it comes to mind. And, and, and I, sometimes I don't know, is, is, that, is that God's way of reminding me to never do that again and make that mistake again? Or, or is that Satan? I mean, I mean wh who is that? Who's, who's doing that to me? But it's effective because I listen to it and I'm like, no, never again. So the application is to watch out for leaven. 
the leaven of hypocrisy, the leaven of corruption. Watch out for the leaven of corruption in your own life. Watch out for the leaven of corruption in my life. Watch out for the leaven of corruption in all the brothers and sisters' lives. This is a family ordeal, amen? None of us is out to get one another. We're out to get one person, who is that? Satan, we're out, to, we're out to run him out forever. I mean, God has already done that, but you know what I mean. There's still like an active battle that wages, that we fight. Watch for the leaven. We must pay close attention to the lives and teachings of ourselves and others. And the scripture is full, full of admonition to be watchful. So guard against corruption, man-made traditions. Hidden actions will be exposed. Secret talk will be exposed. And let's watch out for the leaven in our own life and the leaven in the lives of others. And let Jesus take us to being unleavened. Let us pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for his boldness. Thank you for his willingness to go against the establishment in a way to try to awaken them to the reality of how far they had strayed from the truth. And Lord, I believe that our call today is the exact same. Our call today is every day of our lives to reevaluate and to examine and to watch because the worldly pressures continue in on us. And it is an uphill battle the world comes through our phones, through our televisions, through the radio. It comes through multiple different medium into our minds and we have to be watchful, Lord, that we don't allow ourselves to be leavened by corruption, not by legalism, not by sexual immorality or worldliness, but to be biblical, to be unleavened, to be pure, to walk in the light that we have, to confess our sins, to not gossip and slander one another, to listen to your word and trust, to get up every day and believe and to have faith and to know that you are with us, walking with us, and that no matter what happens, that we are safe and secure in you. And I pray that if there's one here today that does not know that as they sit here this morning or on live feed, that they, they, have, they, they just don't know that, I pray that they would come to know you. That your word and your spirit would convict their souls, convict their hearts, help them know that they are sinners that are far away from God and that your son Jesus Christ, his his incarnation, his death on the cross and his resurrection is the only hope they have and that we have. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.